0: my name is nicholas haskins and over the past 40 years i have fallen in love with creating in my kitchen i believe in scratch cooking fresh ingredients and positive energy join me on this culinary journey as we discuss the weekend food and i break down a recipe step by step for you to make at home welcome to Nikolai's kitchen morning. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Nikolai's Kitchen. I'm Nick Haskins, and welcome to my journey of scratch-made food and positivity. If this is your first time here, welcome. It's an absolute thrill to have you here. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. It's so amazing to have you back. so amazing to have all of you here today in my kitchen. Whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, I appreciate you and I love you so, so much. Big shout out to everybody who's a Radford alum that listened to my Krusty's episode, making it my second biggest episode ever. Thank you so much, Rebecca, to her sister, Courtney, and a number of other people for sharing it, commenting on it, liking it. I mean, it just, it was a pretty big one for me. So I really, really appreciate it. Rebecca and I were just talking this past weekend about making Krusty's again as soon as possible. And I really can't wait to make them again. They are just absolutely to die for. If you haven't actually tried them before, please give them a shot. They are wonderful. They are just truly wonderful. A great snack. Something great that, you know, especially people with young kids. Young kids, I think, would just absolutely devour them. You know, you just make like a bunch of different flavors of them. So, so good. If you haven't checked out that episode yet, that was the Quick bite that was released just this past Thursday. So make sure you go back in the archives and just look up trustees this past weekend was valentine's day weekend and i spent the whole weekend with rebecca and it was absolutely amazing she got me this whole parks and rec gift set with candles a card from john ralphio that said life without me would be the worst (laughs) oh my lord she is truly truly wonderful and i am incredibly incredibly lucky man We had a wonderful weekend, and this week's episode is going to be all about breaking down everything, and I mean everything, that I made over Valentine's Day weekend. Now, some things I'm not going to need to break down as much because I've already done so on this show, specifically Herbed Butter Salmon back in Episode 4, so go back to Episode 4 and check that out for the full breakdown on how I do that. I'll just recap that pretty briefly when we get to it, but you know, I made Herbed Butter Salmon Mashed potatoes. I made steamed clams, not steamed hams. Steamed clams. <laughs> oh no, it's an Albany expression. But uh, I made homemade brioche bread. Shout out to my friend Brian for uh, a recipe that he actually I saw post on his Instagram about a week ago, and. I've never tried to make brioche bread, and I've been so into bread making lately, as you guys know, of course, go back to episode 10 to listen to all about homemade bread, but i never made brioche bread before, and I really, really wanted to give it a shot. So I gave it a shot, and oh, I cannot wait to break down everything with that and the French toast that I made with it topped with apples and a salted caramel. Oh, just... Absolutely. I mean, an incredibly decadent way to start a morning, I'll say that, which, you know, your mileage may vary on that, that, but uh, just such a wonderful weekend. Again, thank you so much, Rebecca, for just being you. I want to take a moment to remind everyone about the upcoming live stream for The Cure, May 19th through the 23rd. Myself and podcast partners and content creators from around the world are me live for over 50 hours over that five-day period to raise $15,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. They research cancer immunotherapy, which is basically training the immune system to fight cancer so that we can live one day in a future immune to cancer. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful world? absolutely something worth fighting for. We've raised over $30,000 in the past four years, and I'm absolutely, absolutely thrilled. Even though it's, you know, I, once again, I've overwhelmed myself with the workload for it, but it's okay. It's okay. Cause I'm here for it. And because it's a really, really good cause, it's something really, really important to me. So I always want to make sure that I put my full effort into making the event as good as I possibly can. So make sure you mark your calendars May 19th through the 23rd. Check that out. You're going to start hearing promos for that coming up soon. You're also going to start hearing promos for different shows, different podcast partners are going to be taking part in the event because I like to try to showcase, you know, those people that are going to be part of the event in the lead up to it. I'm also taking part in the 120 challenge, which you guys can still definitely get on board with. It's 100 miles by May 19th, so 100 miles by the time that the live stream for the Cure starts. And I've only had a slow start. I think I'm only 11 or so miles into the challenge at this point, and it's almost a month in at this point. So, you know, you guys can still jump in. You guys can still definitely catch up. It's 100 days, $100, 100 miles. It's that simple. Do 100 miles before May 19th and donate $100 during the live kickoff event for the live stream for the cure on May 19th from 6 p.m. to midnight Eastern time. Jump right in. Be absolutely, absolutely thrilled to have you use the hashtag 120challenge, that's 120challenge, whenever you uh, check in your distance. Just walk or run 120 miles. I'd be thrilled to be joined by you. Today I want to talk to you guys a little bit about accountability. What is it that you're struggling with right now? If you think about what is it that you should have done yesterday that you didn't do? Or did you do something yesterday that you woke up today and kind of wish you hadn't? I unfortunately find myself in this situation a lot and... Accountability is one of those things that it's all you. Like you have peers, you have friends, you have loved ones, you have like Facebook groups, support groups, like all sorts of different places that you can turn to get help, to get assistance, to help keep yourself accountable, you know, by checking in with other people, you know, and that helps a lot of people. It does help me in certain circumstances to check in with other people about what I'm doing, when I'm doing it. Ultimately, though, it's still up to you. You have to be strong and you have to hold that line with yourself. No, you won't eat that extra snack. No, you won't eat that extra sugary thing. No, you won't drink that soda. Yes, you will go that extra mile. Yes, you will make sure you make time to fit in that yoga practice today. Yes, you will make time to make a better you. Accountability is tough. Accountability is really, really tough. Do you guys struggle with that? I find that I struggle with it a lot sometimes. And there will be times when I'm halfway through a day and I just keep slipping. And, you know, I'll get, you know, do you guys often have this circumstance where you'll mess up once? You'll maybe have that thing that you shouldn't have had or you'll maybe eat something that you shouldn't have or overindulge on something. And then you'll say, well, today's already shot, so I'll start again tomorrow. And then you just keep spiraling. You just keep doing the thing that you shouldn't have done. I'll tell you that that's how I got to be as big as I once was. And it's really, really, really hard to look at yourself in the mirror and to have an honest conversation with yourself, not to just know that you shouldn't have done it, because you know, you know, I know. Whenever I make those mistakes, I know. But I still make them. I still make them, and I'm here to tell you that it's okay if you make them. As long as you are frank and and honest with yourself in that moment. So don't excuse yourself for the rest of the day. If you slip, if you slip that one time, you have that candy bar, you have that extra dessert or whatever it is. Don't write yourself off for the rest of the day. Don't write yourself off for the rest of the week or month or year or whatever. I'll start again in January, I'll make another resolution start right in that moment. Start right in that moment. If you're in that moment and you think to yourself, this requires a lot of conscious thought and a lot of conscious activity. But if you're in that moment and you think to yourself, I shouldn't be eating this. I shouldn't be doing this. Put it down. Put it down, pour it out, dump it out, throw it out, walk away. If you're sitting and you're just watching TV and you're like, I know I should exercise today. I know I should get that exercise in. Close your eyes. Think to yourself, am I going to feel better when I'm done exercising? Am I going to feel better about myself? Is my body going to feel better because I have rewarded it? Is my body going to feel better because I have treated it better? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to feel amazing. Your body's going to thank you for it. You will thank yourself for your strength. But only you can only do that if you don't punish yourself for your weakness. If you don't get on top of yourself and beat yourself down and berate yourself and hate yourself for making that choice, put it behind you walk away from it. It's okay to make a mistake. What's not okay is to recognize that you're making that mistake and then keep making it and then keep doing it and then do it again or again or again. You have to be strong. You have to make the choice. You have to be willing to fight for the life that you want in this world. You have to be willing to fight for the body that you want in this world. You have to be willing to fight for your health. You have to be willing to fight for your friendships, for your relationship. You have to be willing to fight for all of the good and great things out there. Don't hate yourself. Don't get down on yourself. Don't get into yourself. It's okay. It's okay to fail. It's okay to misstep. But recognize that you need to hold yourself accountable. Start in that moment. Start right that very day and say, no more. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, maybe this applies to me, or you're thinking to yourself, God, I really should hold myself more accountable then start right now. What are you doing right now that you could change? What is the behavior that you're not holding yourself accountable for? And I'm recording this and I'm telling you guys all of this because I struggle with it so, so much. I have always had a voracious appetite, always, and such an incredible sweet tooth. It has always been really, really hard for me to control the amount of food that I'm eating, especially more so than anything else. Like the sweet tooth, I did drop the sugar. I still very, very largely, like I do make, you know, different things periodically. Of course, as you guys know, for the show, the featured recipe in this show has salted caramel that I made homemade with it. You know, but drop the sugar means dropping that processed sugar, that garbage sugar, high fructose corn syrup. And it also means modifying and dropping excessive sugar and not overindulging in sugary things because it's not healthy. It's so, so bad for you. But my appetite has always been just absolutely voracious. I eat with big, I got a big mouth. I mean, you guys hear me. I got a big mouth. <laughs> so I just tend to shovel food and I always have. So it's so tough for me to stop myself, to say, Nick, slow down, eat a little bit slower. No, you don't need a second helping. That was one of the biggest changes I had to make, not just with drop the sugar, not just with exercising, but when I started on my weight loss journey, I'm convinced that that's what really, really pushed me to lose 125 pounds because I started holding myself accountable for how much I was eating, for what I was doing. No, Nick, you don't need a second plate. One plate is enough. Because my problem was, as I was loading up 1,500 calories on a plate and then going back twice. It's not healthy. It's not healthy, and I knew it wasn't healthy. It was
1: terrible.
0: It tasted really good. I've always loved food, like this show is a testament to that. But this show is also a testament to holding myself accountable. Something that I have not done the best with of late. Of really, really hardlining myself. Nick, you will not do this. You will not eat that. You will not have that extra thing. It's late night and you're hungry, drink some water. Fill up that stomach with some water. Don't eat something now that you're going to regret in the morning. So that's my extension to you. And that's what I hope to give you with this week's positivity. Don't, don't be afraid to hold yourself accountable. Hold yourself accountable. No one else is going to do it for you. You can have all the friends, all the Facebook groups, all the peer groups that you're checking in your results with. You can have all of that that you want, but they're not the ones staring into that refrigerator. They're not the ones not turning on that yoga video or going outside to get that mile in or getting on the treadmill, getting on the elliptical, picking up that weight, whatever, whatever it is, you have to be responsible for you. And I hope that you have the strength. It's so, so hard for me to have the strength to do that. But I believe in you. I know that you can do this. I know that you can because I did. I'm not exactly where I want to be weight-wise, of course, because I do still love food. I hope that you have the strength. I hope that you can find the strength. I know that you can do this if you set your mind to it, if you believe in yourself. I believe in you. I'm going to take a moment here to spin a little something for my good buddy, Gerald, new patron to the show. Thank you so much, Gerald, for his Golden Peas Movie Awards. He does these movie awards every single year where he puts all the polls out to everybody out there in the internet sphere, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram sphere, to vote for your choices, and then he does this whole big award show. I think Loy Sauce, my former co-host on Epic Film Guys, is going to be doing that with him again this year. So I'm going to spin a promo for that in place of just the normal kind of fade-up-the-music sort of thing that I usually do here. And then this week again, there's no This Week in Food because the breakdown section in the back half of the show is going to be all about This Week in Food, specifically this weekend, and all of the amazing things that I shared with Rebecca over our Valentine's Day weekend. You guys are absolutely amazing. Don't go anywhere, I'll be right back.
1: Hello listeners, I wanna talk to you for one second, real quick, about the Golden Pea Movie Awards, referred to lovingly as the Golden Peas. Every year, I take the opportunity to celebrate the year in film, and 2020 is no different. Please head over to twopeasonapod.com slash golden peas and find all of the nominees as well as links to a ballot that you can use to vote. Voting is open from January 29th until March 1st of 2021. We feature all of the main categories that you will find at shows like the Golden Globes and the Oscars, but we poll the film and Twitter and podcast community to get those nominees. And as you know, they are chosen by you. So please cast a ballot. head over. Once again, it's on com slash golden peas. We love movies and we love celebrating movies. And we hope you come to the party this year.
0: Those of you who know me really well, or if you've listened to this show long enough, I'm sure that you're more than well aware that I really love to be a little elaborate when it comes to my food planning, or as Rebecca would call me, I'm extra. I <laughs> am. Yeah. And I can't I can't deny that because I do love to plan sometimes a meal that's, you know, beyond my scope or has too many moving parts or just too many different things all crammed into one small space. So it's been a challenge to learn to kind of dial that back. But thankfully, I have a partner who is, you know, she's just like, you know, we don't need to do all of that. You know, she'll just tell me, say, you're being a little extra. And then I'll immediately recognize and be like, yeah, I am. She checks me on things, which I think is really important in any good relationship to just check each other. I think that's very, very important. I'm very, very grateful to have that in Rebecca. This past weekend, however, of course, it was Valentine's Day, so I got the excuse to be extra. (laughs) I mean, whenever you need to just grab an excuse and grab one, you know? So i want to break down everything that I made over Valentine's Day weekend, except for the things that I've already broken down on this show in the past. Like I said, I'm not going to break down the salmon, but we will talk about it briefly when we get there. Well, I'm from Utica and I've never heard of the phrase steamed hams. (laughs) No, steamed clams. We're talking about steamed clams. I love the Simpsons though. And that meme will never get old but uh clams are something that connects me back to my childhood are you guys fans of clams i used to go to the carnival when i was a kid and i distinctly remember going to the beer tent at the carnival and my uncle jim would always be in there just housing just bag upon bag of steamed clams because they just get like the whole bags and you know steam the whole things and then you serve them with like garlic butter or whatever, and I remember just sitting there and just eating those clams, and oh, so, so amazing. If you've never made clams before, they are a little bit of work, but they're not too intimidating, actually. They're actually fairly simple. The most important thing is just making sure that you don't really overcook them. You don't really want to boil the clams, or you don't really want to, like, kind of take them past the point where they're done, because once they're open, they're ready to go. You're good to go. Before you make your clams, you're going to want to take your clams brush them with a soft brush on both sides discard any of them that are cracked or open unless you're the one that cracked or open (laughs) like if you you know were just clumsy or dropped them or you know didn't handle them necessarily the best but like if you bring them home from the grocery store in the bag and they're cracked or open chuck them you're going to want to brush them off clean them off and you're going to put them in the sink and you're going to put them in enough cold water to cover over the top of them and then add a tablespoon of red and black pepper Uh, And this is going to encourage, if they're raised in in an environment where there's any sand, it's going to encourage them to expel any sand that they might have inside of them. If they're farm-raised, they probably don't have a sand, so you can probably omit the pepper, but just so you know. When it's time to cook your clams, you're going to take a nice high-walled skillet. Same one I used in the mac and cheese recipe. I'm using the same thing here. It's a big 13-inch Calphalon skillet. Add your butter to that melt it over medium heat. Add your scallions and garlic and just cook this for a few minutes. You do not need to go crazy here. You're not trying to do anything but just build a base for this broth that you're going to steam the clams in. Okay, once you've cooked that for a few minutes, just have an amazing aroma kind of wafting through your kitchen. You're going to want to add your clams, then add your lemon juice, the lemon slices, and the white wine. Salt and pepper to season. Boom. Cover on 7 to 10 minutes. The clams are going to open up. Once they're open, they are done. If they do not open, please throw them away. Do not eat them. Discard them immediately. They are not safe to eat. But yeah, seven to ten minutes is all it takes once you chuck everything together. And then you just serve them immediately. And just, they're amazing. And the white wine, the butter, the scallions, the garlic, all of these flavors, like, clams are one of those foods that definitely take on the flavor of whatever you're cooking it with whatever kind of broth or whatever kind of seasoning you're putting with it so these turned out absolutely to die for just absolutely incredible it's been so long since i had clams i'm so so glad that i decided to get some and pair it with the salmon that we had now the salmon that i made Go back to episode four for herbed butter salmon. It is literally exactly the same. I did not try to reinvent the wheel here. I'm still not familiar enough with cooking salmon to really try to get too experimental with it. So I didn't change a single thing about it. I pan seared it and then I took that homemade herbed butter, put it over that. I did it in the oven over a bed of dill and lemon, just like I did last time. 15, actually, I think 16 to 17 minutes in the oven. These were a little bit thicker, but longer fillets. And then, boom, they were perfect. Absolute heaven on a plate. The mashed potatoes that I made, I actually decided to make the mashed potatoes, which will be coming to a quick bite near you at some point. I just haven't gotten that one done yet. But I did my homemade mashed potatoes. Instead of using normal butter, I decided to use the herbed butter that I made for the salmon. So I had dill, lemon, garlic, scallions, red onion. So, so many amazing flavors just infused throughout the potatoes. Rosemary as well, I think was in there. Oh, just so, 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 so good. But I, I cannot say enough, and I know I've talked about it before on this show. I will talk about it again. You'll hear me talk about my potato ricer a lot more. Get one of these if you don't have it. They are so amazing. They make it so you don't have to do literally anything Once the potatoes are done, you take them out, you just scoop them into it, press them through, and you don't have to whip them, you don't have to do anything, and you get so much more of a rich potato flavor. I will never, ever whip potatoes ever again. Ever. I completely, I still, I literally can't believe I forgot that I had this thing for so long. (laughs) And now I finally remembered it, and now I'm in love with it. It's amazing. Now it is time to come to the featured recipe for this week, and it is brioche French toast topped with apples and a homemade salted caramel. There was a part of me that wanted to make ice cream or even buy ice cream to serve with this, but I was being a little extra. (laughs) So I decided not to, and Rebecca agreed after I told her that. She's like, yeah, that would have been extra. (laughs) I had never, ever made brioche bread before. Like I said, my friend Brian made brioche, posted it to his Instagram and I saw it and I was just like, oh, I've made so many breads, but it's all been basically just the same kind of bread. I haven't stepped out and tried to make any other kind of bread yet. So when I saw this, a plan immediately formed because I'd already found a a recipe and I can't remember where it was. But I saw a recipe, I think it was in a Facebook food group that I'm in, honestly, for crepes with an apple reduction and a salted caramel topping. So I really wanted to make something similar to that for Rebecca initially for kind of our Sunday brunch on Valentine's Day. And then when I saw this brioche bread, I was like, I'm making French toast and I'm making it with that brioche bread. So he provided me with the link to the recipe, which is from Emma Duckworth Bakes. She is from the UK, so the website, all the cooking instructions are also in metric. So I actually went ahead and converted them into American for everyone out there who is, you know, not used to using the metric system or whatever. I would still say, especially when it comes to things like the flour, if you have a kitchen scale, which I am lucky enough to use it, use it because you want 500 grams of flour. This turned out so, so amazingly. I can't wait to break this down for you. You are going to need two and a half teaspoons of active dry yeast or a packet of active dry yeast. Three quarters of a cup of whole milk, and you're going to make that lukewarm. You want a half a cup of castor sugar. If you're not familiar with castor sugar, it is a finer baking sugar. So it's finer than granulated sugar, but not as fine as powdered sugar. If you don't have castor sugar, if you haven't bought any, I've never bought any myself, just make your own. You just want to do a half a cup of castor sugar, so you need a half a cup plus one teaspoon of granulated sugar, and then you can throw it into a mortar and pestle, which is what I did, or you can throw it into a spice grinder. You just don't want this to turn into a powder where it's going to start to clump together. So once it gets to be nice and fine, where it's starting to powderize, but where it's not powdered sugar, you don't want to go that far because you're just not going to have the same results if you do. Her recipe calls for 500 grams of flour. If you have a kitchen scale, please use it. But I will say I had to add more flour to this. I had to add about another quarter of a cup of flour almost to this in order to get this to come together. Uh, And I broke this down. This is about three and a half cups of flour total is what I used. I actually used two cups of bread flour and one and a half cups of all-purpose flour. She just says plain flour. So whatever that means to you, if you want to do three and a half cups of plain flour, 500 grams of plain flour, just do that. You're going to need a teaspoon of salt, two large eggs at room temperature, two teaspoons of vanilla extract. You can also use vanilla bean paste, which is what she recommends. Ten tablespoons of unsalted butter. And then you're going to need another two tablespoons of unsalted butter, but this is just to grease the loaf pan. To make this bread, you've got to proof your yeast. So take your milk, add a tablespoon of your caster sugar to it, and then add the yeast, stir it together, and set it aside. Let it get nice and foamy and frothy five to ten minutes or so. She recommends using a sand mixer. I would also recommend using a sand mixer if you have one. I do not have one, and this recipe gets a little messy at one stage if you don't. So you're going to add your flour, your caster sugar, and your salt together. Just kind of whisk that together until it's incorporated. Then you're going to want to add your yeast mixture, your eggs, and your vanilla bean paste, and then just kind of mix this together with your hands or in your stand mixer, you know, for about three to five minutes until everything comes together really, really, really well. This is where it's going to start to get messy if you're doing this by hand. I'm sorry in advance. I was so frustrated when I was making this and I was so worried that I made it wrong. Stick with it. I promise you it's going to come together. Start adding in your butter gradually. Take that 10 tablespoons of butter that you've got cubed up and just add a few tablespoons worth of it at a time. Just knead it in, work it in, keep working it in. It will be extremely messy. Again, I'm sorry. (laughs) If this doesn't come together into a dough ball once you've incorporated all your flour, because I just had like this mush, butter paste thing going on so I added some more flour like the initial recipe the 500 grams equates to roughly three and a quarter cups of flour I added another quarter cup in there once I got to this stage because this was just not coming together it was way too wet way 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 too wet if you have a stand mixer or something this is where it's really really going to benefit you to use that Get your dough to come together, and then you're going to knead this for roughly 8 to 10 minutes. It's not like normal bread dough, so you know it's not necessarily going to be exactly the same. It's going to be much, much, much tackier, but still it shouldn't stick to your hands. Like It should still have that really tacky feeling to it, but not stick to your hands. So once you're done, you're going to kind of pull the corners into the center of it, turn it over, and then take a big, lightly greased bowl, chuck your bread dough in there, and then cover it with plastic wrap and just let it in there for about an hour and a half. All right, so when that's all risen, you're going to take your bread loaf pan. Now, I will say my glass ones are too small. I think if I had a bigger loaf pan, it would have had better results, and I'll talk about that more in a few minutes here. You're going to want to take a loaf pan, grease it with your other two tablespoons of butter that you had set aside. Once your dough is doubled in size, punch it down and then tip it out onto a floured countertop you don't want to use your hands, just form this into a rectangle. And then this is very, very important. And if you want yours to turn out better than mine, please do this. Make sure you cut it into five equal pieces. Five equally sized and equally thick pieces. <laughs> I did not. You can see, if you saw on social media, the photos of this thing, some of mine were way, way, way too big. Because basically what you're going to do is you're going to take each of those pieces you're going to roll it out into kind of a long rectangle and then you're going to roll it up from the short end and then you're going to kind of tuck it neatly into the loaf pan and you're going to line all five of these up side by side nice and snug in the loaf pan and then you're going to cover that again with plastic wrap and let it rise for another 45 minutes to an hour now here's where this recipe got away from me just a little bit and I was really really worried that I wasn't going to be able to save this preheat your oven to 350 degrees and then you're going to bake this until it's nice and golden brown on the top. Now, Brian had already warned me about this ahead of time, so I was already prepared for it. But I started to smell that brioche really soon in, like five to ten minutes in. You can start to smell the sweetness of that bread baking in that oven. But then you notice that it kind of is starting to smell like really browned bread. Not burnt, but really browned. So cover yours with foil. I had to do it about 20 minutes into the baking cycle here because it was getting really, really dark brown on top. Now, again, mine did not rise out of this thing evenly when it baked because my rolls were not the same size. Uniformity is so key here. These need to be the same size so this whole loaf rises out of there at the same time because then mine probably wouldn't have browned so quickly. But again, just make sure that you cover it with foil. Have that ready just in case you need it because you don't want this thing to get too crazy. So I baked mine for about 33 minutes and it looked like it was done to me. So I took it out and then it wasn't done in the center. So I chucked it back into the oven, chucked it back in for another 10 minutes, covered, took it out, still wasn't done. We're talking 45-ish minutes or so into the oven at this point, and I'm just like, I was so frustrated I didn't know what to do because I didn't want to overbake the stuff on the outside. But the middle was just not done. And again, uniformity is key. Make sure those rolls are the same size. I cannot emphasize enough how important that step is. I did not think it was nearly as important because like I've made different things where it's like, oh, cut these into equal pieces. Okay, no, no, no. This is very, very important here. So what I did is I actually ended up taking this out of the oven because it's five rolls that are kind of sandwiched together. It does nicely kind of pull apart. So I pulled it right apart in the middle, flipped them around, stuck them back into the loaf pan with the insides now on the outside, stuck it back in the oven, covered and let it finish for another, say. Five to seven minutes. This was still in the oven for way too long. I think, again, my loaf pan, plus the fact that my rolls were not a uniform size, just did not make for a very good combination for this brioche loaf. But that said, this is to die for. It's so rich, it's so dense, and chewy, and eggy. Oh, it's just got that. Wonderful, wonderful sweetness to it. Like this, I, I can't even begin to express to you how in love I am with this bread. I really have to do it again because I I know I can do so much better. I know that I can knock this out of the park if I really, really give it a good crack. But yeah, that's again, you got to make sure that everything is good. So this brioche bread went to making homemade French toast so between all the brioche that i had picked off of it and then gave to rebecca and everything we only got six slices out of the whole loaf for french toast (laughs) after i did some pretty decent thick slices like three quarters of an inch but i also may have eaten like a whole one of the rolls of brioche when it came out of there because it was so so good but for my french toast filling for this i did six eggs a teaspoon of vanilla a half a teaspoon of nutmeg, a half a teaspoon of cinnamon, two tablespoons of heavy cream, two tablespoons of whole milk, and then, of course, our six slices of brioche bread. I said slices, and I'm leaving it in. So you're going to kind of want to combine all this stuff together. And then this is something that is a pet peeve of mine in the kitchen whenever you make French toast. Let that bread soak, especially this brioche because it's way more dense. So it needs even more time to soak. But if you're making normal French toast, period, your bread should be soaking for at least a minute. You want that egg soaked in throughout your bread. I actually held each piece like I had a bowl with all the mixture in there held each piece down inside of the mixture for a minute then I put it all on a platter and then I poured the egg mixture over it and just let it sit for about five minutes or so really really let this brioche get to work soaking up that egg mixture because you want so much of that rich eggy flavor in there and then french toast is french toast chucked it on an electric skillet at about 350 degrees you can also do this in a pan at medium heat just you know Cook it till it's browned on one side, flip it, brown it on the other side. Boom, you're done. That's it. French toast finished. Now let's talk about the apple filling, which is incredibly simple. Very, very easy, especially if you have an apple corer. There are certain kitchen gadgets that I will champion, like my potato ricer. My apple corer is another because there is nothing worse than having to prepare like an apple pie or make applesauce or whatever and trying to cut and peel all of those apples by hand. If you have an apple peeler, you can do that as well, but I particularly don't find peeling apples to be that taxing. It actually is pretty quick, but I hate, hate having to cut them (laughs) just because you have to remove the apple core. So I had three pounds of Honeycrisp apples. I did a quarter of a cup of white sugar, a half a teaspoon of nutmeg, a teaspoon of cinnamon, a half of a Saigon cinnamon stick, which is kind of a milder cinnamon, and a half of a cup of white wine. So I peeled all the apples cored them and then the slices because my core will do eight pieces and then i slice the pieces that that does in half lengthwise okay chucked all those in a pan with all of the other ingredients just let it come to a boil and then just cover it and just let those apples cook down and cook down and cook down until they're softened you don't want this to get to applesauce you don't want to make applesauce here you kind of still want those apple pieces intact so you want like a little firmness like a little bit of texture but kind of just to the point like like They're just about to fall apart. And then to top this all off, homemade salted caramel. This recipe is directly from sallysbakingaddiction.com. The link for this and for the Emma Duckworth Bakes is both going to be down in the show notes. So make sure you check that out for the original recipes for this. But I am not familiar with or not comfortable enough with winging this on my own just yet. So I made sure to follow this recipe exactly. I actually made this caramel once before. Before I started the show, I actually made this as a salted caramel topping for some brownies, which it was also perfect for. I did three quarters of a cup of white sugar and a quarter of a cup of dark brown sugar. You don't have to if you make this. You could just do white sugar. Depends on, I like those molasses, those darker elements in my caramel. You need six tablespoons of unsalted butter, one tablespoon of coarse sea salt, and a half a cup of heavy cream. You're going to take your sugar and just Chuck it into a saucepan, turn it on medium, and just keep stirring. Do not stop stirring. Get a nice high heat spatula or a wooden spoon is what she recommends. Either or doesn't matter. You don't want to use, you know, something cheap here. Just keep stirring. Do not let this sit here because I promise you your sugar will burn. The first time I ever made this, burned it. And I was stirring it the whole time and I just paused for like a, I don't even know. It was like a few seconds. It wasn't even that long. But I promise you, another set of hands in the kitchen to make this would really, really be beneficial too. Keep stirring, keep mixing, keep this combining, mixing it together over medium heat until all of your sugar is melted. As soon as your sugar is melted, and I mean as soon as, chuck that butter in there. Now, it is going to bubble up a lot, so be careful for that. But just keep mixing, keep whisking it in. Once that is well combined, return it to the heat, cook it for just about one minute. It's going to kind of get this nice, dreamy caramel consistency to it. Take it off the heat, add your heavy cream in very, very slowly. So this is, again, going to boil up and bubble up whenever you add this in here. Once all of your heavy cream has been added, put it back on the heat, stop stirring it now, and just let it boil for a moment. It's just going to rise up in there as it goes take it off of the heat again and then you're just going to take your salt and you're just going to sprinkle it around please put it in the palm of your hand pinch it up and then just sprinkle it widely around i just took my my coarse sea salt container and just kind of gave it a couple quick dashes uh no i had a huge chunk of rock salt when i had my french toast because a whole bunch of it just clumped together when i got into the caramel And that's it. It will thicken up incredibly as it cools. This is not like a caramel sauce that you would want to make for like ice cream that you're going to refrigerate and then use later or anything. This will get hard when you refrigerate it. So please keep that in mind if you're looking for some other kind of caramel type recipe. From there, it's as simple as just taking that amazing brioche French toast, topping it with your apple mixture, drizzling a little bit of that caramel over the top if you want to be super extra, put a scoop of vanilla ice cream next to it or just dollop a little bit of whipped cream on top of it. Uh, This was heaven. This was so incredible. It absolutely blew me away how good this turned out. So, so incredible. That bread, again, was so dense, so chewy, so eggy and buttery and then you're infusing it with so much more egg from that french toast that you get the lightness of that cinnamon and the nutmeg in there And then that's when you transition to the apples, which also have that cinnamon and nutmeg and that nice sweet fruity flavor. And then the caramel, boom, that salt, I think is really what sets this off because it contrasts nicely against what is otherwise a really, really sweet dish. I mean, there's really no way to cut around this. It is very, very, very sweet. So please keep that in mind. It's also extremely filling. Uh, I could barely finished my two slices and Rebecca only finished one. So I sent the rest home for her daughter because her daughter really, really loves applesauce. And I really think that she's going to love this whole thing kind of combined together. And that is going to do it for another episode of Nikolai's Kitchen. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Hope you had an absolutely amazing weekend. Like I said earlier at the top of the show, And I hope that you're doing absolutely wonderful. If this is your first time here, you're not sure where to listen to or where to find the show, somebody provided you with a direct link, you can find us on any podcatcher under the sun. Head out there, look for the show. I promise you will find it. Head to nicholaiskitchen.com. All the links are down in the show notes. It will take you to all of the relevant social media links as well as places you can find the podcast out there on the web. Head over to YouTube. The link, again, down in the show notes. Check out my 7 Days to Die Survival series. That series is also safe for work if you're concerned about, you know, and it is zombie apocalypse. I know. So the visual content might not be safe for work, but just, you know, keep that in mind. Make sure again, ladies and gentlemen, mark your calendars for the upcoming live stream for The Cure. We're going to raise so much money for a good cause, and we really, really need every single person out there to help, even if you can only donate a dollar, even if you can't donate anything at all, and you just help to spread the word and share the event out there with people. It's going to help me out so, 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 so much. We've got so many amazing podcasters from Australia, New Zealand, the UK, and right here in the United States, all signing up for the event. It's going to be such a blast. I cannot wait. Making this series a reality for me is all about you guys. And I have to particularly thank my amazing patrons for their contributions. They make the dream happen. They make this show a reality. You guys are the lifeblood of Nikolai's Kitchen. I could not do this show without you. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. If you want to sign up on Patreon, again, the link is down in the show notes. Head over there for rewards and Coming up for the top tier patrons in March is going to be the next gift box from my kitchen. Can't wait. I'm going to be sending out homemade sauces, mustards, things of that nature. I cannot wait to send this stuff out to you guys. If you love the show, if you like the show, and you want other people to respond to the positivity and catch these amazing recipes, head over and leave the show a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you leave reviews. I will read them out on the show. I will shout you out on the show. Just take a few moments, head over there, and leave a little review. Five-star rating. That's all I ask. Thank you so, so much for spending a little bit of your time with me today. I know this one was just a little bit longer because we had all these breakdowns and stuff. I'm so, so glad that you're here. I'm so, so glad to have you listening to this show, whether this is your first time or whether you've listened every single time, whether you're binging this two years later, you're binging through all these episodes because you just found the show. I love you. Thank you so, so much. I hope that you have an absolutely wonderful week. Stay tuned on Thursday for another quick bite featuring dessert, pizza. Oh, I got to tell you, talk about things that turned out beyond my wildest expectations. You guys are so amazing. Thank you so, so much for listening. And thank you so much for coming on this journey with me.